Welcome to Voyage of the Geek for another week, the 10th of May, 2018. Joining me as always, Dan Miller, Rick Legato, Tom McGill. G'day. A panel of uh, experts brought in specifically to deal with tonight's show. Uh, we thought it was going to be a narrative nightmare, <laughs> um, and it proved to be uh, beyond that, um, shall we say beyond repair, this particular film. And uh, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to digest, a lot to break down and try to make sense of. Yep, I think uh, our audience will be hearing a lot more swear words this evening. <laughs> yes, yes, and that that comes out of just being completely baffled as to the phenomenon that is the film that we're talking about tonight. And Dan, what is that film? Um, is my mic through? Mine is off. Oh, mine's on now. Oh, hello. Yeah. Aha. Aha. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> so, Dan, what is the film we're having a look at tonight? Transformers 5. 5. five the Last five. Night. The Last Night. Yes. If only it was the last. <laughs> but uh, something well, tells me. we'll see. Well, if, you, if um, Box Office Mojo has anything to do with it, they've already got a date for the next one. Mm, and, there's okay. a, and there's a spin-off Bumblebee movie. Yeah. Well, this we'll have to discuss. This is mm. yes. Okay. So last night, Transformers. Last night. That's correct. And um, we watched it in the uh, Voyage of the Geek Megaplex <laughs> downstairs. And and uh, Rick, this was your first experience in the Megaplex. Explain to people how we watch these types of films downstairs. All right. Darkened lounge room, screen as big as a wall, headphones, three D glory. And pants optional. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's it's almost like an isolation uh, chamber. What, what's yeah. the Maxwell yeah, Smart cocoon. isolation cone of, of silence? Where for, for movies, um, I remember when, when the first time we did it was The Martian. And there, it felt like there was not another human on the planet <clears> when <throat> I was watching <clears> that <throat> film. It's, yeah. it's, it's completely isolating. I mean, the 3D glasses sort of block off the vision, so you don't get to see anyone else. Um, and the audio just locks you into the experience, and you mm. lose 7.1 surround, um, but it makes up for the full spectrum of audio. So you're not yeah, you, definitely yeah, and you get the bottoms to the tops, and um, and yeah, it makes for quite an experience. But mm, something tells me we wasted it slightly on this film. Um, well, actually, I think it's the only way to make this film bearable. There's the only imagine what it would have been like watching it on telly if, on a Friday night yeah, or something I, like that yeah. in the bedroom. I don't think I could make <laughs> no. the entire film or not. A normal TV. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed the experience simply because of the way I it, watched it. Yeah. But if I watched it on TV, like, 
it would have lost points. If you yeah, want to enjoy that experience, there are better films in the world to enjoy that oh, experience. I'm, with, I'm yeah. sure there are. It's 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 destroyed that experience a bit because your first exposure to it, the first yeah. time, that's right, was uh, was not the best choice of film. So we've. Uh, if you can call it a film. We've had a bit of a, dis- a flick. bit of a discussion. What we normally do is go through a film using the narrative of the film, the linear narrative of the film and how it's laid out on screen as a pathway for us to discuss <laughs> the, the, the nuances and the things we like about it and dislike and whatever. Um, and it's a way for us to blueprint our way to the end of the show. Otherwise, we'll babble on forever or we'll babble on for 10 minutes and not have a show at all. Unfortunately, um, the consensus was we couldn't do that with this film. And we'll explain why as we go along, but we're going to depart from our normal format. And and I've got a bunch of questions that we'll sort of try to get to throughout the – uh, throughout the show, um, that doesn't mean we need to rigidly stay with that. If you've got anything to say, guys, just just offer it up. Um, but it's a way that we can at least have some sort of progression through the thing. So any departure from our normal show, hopefully that explains why. Mm. And if you see the film, you'll also know why. We, <laughs> and if you've seen could, the film, you know why. We couldn't I'll, really do it. I would like to start <laughs> talking about the beginning of the film because that was the bit I enjoyed the most. Yeah. Well, before we get to that, I want to ask you a question, and I want to. Uh, I'm going to put it out here. You watch the film on a Saturday night, right? And then you go into work on a Monday morning and someone says, what would you do on the weekend? You say, oh, I watched Transformers last night. Oh, really? What's that about? Tell me what the <laughs> film is about. And, and just keep it a, a water cooler conversation. Remember that the boss is not going to be happy if we're there for the four hours. It would probably take to give it justice or sum it up in, in some sort of reasonable way. But try to describe for me, Rick, you can go first. Try to describe for me. Tell me tell me this film you watched on Saturday night. All right. Uh, Transformers have become uh, public enemy number one. Optimus Prime's gone walkabout. And the Transformers that are left, along with Marky Mark, have to save the world. And we discover there's some link back to... Um, uh, uh, the Dark Ages with um, <laughs> what's his name uh, Merlin, the, yeah, Merlin, Merlin the wizard and, and the, okay, you're, the Knights of the Round Table and you're 40 seconds in and you're drifting <laughs> and <laughs> so you're, well, you're going to have to hand it over soon yeah. to, to your, one of your partners in crime here so who's next who would like to pick up because <laughs> Rick's done a good job for the first 40 he's seconds he's got, got it started but you can tell that he's waning he's waning Dan I wouldn't be able to complete Rick's um, <laughs> explanation. No way, Tom. Is there, so anything, starts, is there anything Rick left out there that, that there's you a big can fight recall? in the start? There's fighting in the middle. People fly through the air. Mark mm-hmm. Wahlberg flies kilometers through the air, mm-hmm. and in the end, things explode. Yep, and then they're happy. They're, Are they happy? I don't remember. What, what was the ending? I don't know. That, it just was, stopped, I think. There was music at the end that was, sounded like it was happy music. It calmed down a bit at the end. It calmed I, down. I couldn't like, remember what would have happened at the very end. What like, happened at the end? They, the, the island, floating islands, <clears> and <throat> they stopped maybe floating? I don't know. Well, the boss fight ended. The, the boss fight at Stonehenge ended. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Stonehenge. Yeah. Right. And they walked away from it, and I think they were happy. I think uh, Marky Mark... Kissed the uh, female. Ah, uh, yes, there character. was a snog. There was a snog. Mm. It was snogging. Mm. Um, um, yeah, uh, yeah, and, and, and and Hannibal Lecter died. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, yes. That wasn't right at the end. That was somewhere randomly in the last bit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And the rest is all visuals. I see Optimus Prime chopping six heads off and in one fell swoop. Rolling around inside a fireball. And rolling and around <laughs> and things flying through the air and I see... All right, so if I'm your uh, workmate that you've just told this to around the water cooler... Hang on, I have got a description I'm not for in you. a hurry to, to see the film. What have you got? You've I've got, got a, a description. Can you win me over? The, no, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible. Um, but I do have a description that I, I picked out mm-hmm. from... Um, this guy's called um, Nate Zobel, yeah. I do believe. So anyway, he was doing a review and I just had to pick out this sentence. So he says, Transformers, the last night, is exactly what the detractors have railed against from the start. A cacophonous ejaculation of incomprehensible nonsense. <laughs> Which is what you were trying to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so um, so it's, it's it's clear and evident that this movie was a schmozzle. Um, when we first watched it, because we watched it twice, um, mm. you didn't, you you missed the second showing, but I watched it twice in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the first you're time willing I, to sacrifice above and beyond. That's right. That's the first amazing. time I watched it, I remember thinking it felt like a two and a half hour trailer movie mm. trailer. Um, is how I would probably describe it to somebody that hasn't seen it. It's, it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie trailer, and, and like all good trailers, really, there's not a lot of plot in a movie trailer. Mm-hmm. It's just the best bits, you know, yeah. the, bl- the explosions and the running and the screaming. <coughs> um, and it also felt like someone was playing musical chairs with the directing, where mm-hmm. – and every time a new director picked the film up to do their bit – they weren't allowed. They to weren't allowed to know <laughs> what the previous person did. <laughs> I think they had that game going on with the writers and the editors yeah, as well. It was like blindfolded <laughs> musical chairs, is how it felt for me. All right, so let's move. Let's move on before we get into the, the nitty gritty of the film. Um, let's have a talk about public reaction because it's been varied um, and it's been passionate. People have. Um, come out of the woodwork for some of the most poetic critique I've heard in a long time. Mm. Uh, you can't, you can't uh, force this opinion on one, one film only. This is generally the case with this particular director. He's the most reviled yeah. and adored, you know, <laughs> depending on who you talk to. Yeah, yeah. And all of his films are utter trash. <laughs> I will have to say that quite convincingly. And cut Spoilers. from the same mould. Like, he rarely steps outside... The, the mold, even like he, he did uh, Bad Boys, um, he did Armageddon, um, he did Pearl Harbor, oh, mm. Armageddon, Pearl and Harbor. and did the, every Transformer film. Um, he comes from a background of shooting um, music, music videos, videos. Yeah. Mm. big budget mu- music videos. And, he did a lot and of Mitchell's videos. He does flesh, um, buffed machinery, um, pimped. Cars, mm. um, pretty people. Mm. That's what he does. Mm. And he's unashamed of it. And he's managed to find the golden goose. And he's a very wealthy man from it. Oh, hell yeah. And he's he's totally unashamed about it. Oh, yeah. And if you die tomorrow, go home tonight and watch one of these Transformer films and listen to the commentary. Listen to his commentary of one of his own films. Oh, I haven't done that. You've got to. It's one of the funniest I've fucking s- things I've ever done. I've seen one. He or- is a madman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen one or two where, for some reason, a bit like sort of George Lucas, the the crew looked like they were worshipping him. Yeah. Like he'd be strutting around and he'd walking down the street and everybody, hey, it's it's Michael, he's coming. Quick, 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 quick. 
Well, he <laughs> tuck your shirt in, tuck your shirt in. Michael's coming. The difference, you're right, and the difference between <laughs> those two is the crew worships George Lucas, but he does nothing to perpetuate the, the myth, right? Mm. <clears throat> Michael Bay does, mm. and and he tells you stories in his commentary that I can hear him on the radio when I get out of my car and I'm walking to the set. I can hear him saying, "He's here, he's here." Bay's on the deck. He's on the deck. He's, he's here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it just gets me pumped for the day, and and um, and he spruiks about he no other director does as many shots as he does in a day. Well, yeah, continuity is the is the is the problem that comes from that as well. <laughs> we have quality and we have quantity. <laughs> like two people who have a conversation in one of his films, and one of them is backed by rain clouds, and the other one is <laughs> yeah. backed by some Bahamas. Told, yeah, filmed in a different aspect ratio. <laughs> Because he makes so many shots, but definitely uh, do a do a commentary from uh, from uh, Michael Bay at least once in your life. But yeah, his formula is never changed, mm. and I don't think there's any. And yeah, and you have to say, why would he change? No, it's well, just no, money. exactly. Yeah. He gets exactly. the gigs, he and money. he gets and he makes a shit ton of money. We'll like, get on to money, but this film even made money. Mm. Mm. And and I've got some uh, some theories. We'll discuss some theories as to how this. This came about, um, but let's talk about the public reaction. Um, you, you've read some reviews. Um, what are some interesting things that you found listening to other people's reaction to um, this? All the critics that I read panned it. Mm. The most positive thing that I read about it, and this kind of is on par with kind of my experience of the film, is that it's trash, but the sheer spectacle of it. Um, is amazing. Well, the the spectacle. Of course, no one needs to sit through one hour and forty eight minutes of it. Two hours and forty eight minutes. Two hours and forty eight minutes. Shh. <laughs> um, it's like fireworks that go on for forty five yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get desensitized, and at yeah. some point, you just stop caring one iota. And mm. it's beautiful. He does such good. Shot composition. He has mm. just m- m- creates such majestic shots. That's where he's really good at. He has breathtaking ability <clears throat> to create visual stunning work. Earlier, earlier at the show, I said I wouldn't call it a film. I'd call it a flick. But actually, I I, I regretted it when I said it because what is a film? Mm. You know, a film as opposed to a movie is something that uses cinematography to as, as a medium. It, this is a, tells a story in such a way that you can only do visually. You can't do it in a, you know, in any other way. So he uses the camera really, mm. really, really well. But you're right, it's just too much of good stuff. It's mm. just, just and you, there's sense n- you don't care. Nothing else there. Yeah. Let's think yeah, there's nothing, mm. uh, nothing other than that. Yeah, it's mm. sheer yes. spectacle with nothing else that goes on for a really long time. Mm. Mm. Well, Tom found a very good uh, video series on YouTube by a young oh, got, lady. I, yeah, I yeah. I remember her I, name. Um, and we'll put, a link, it, we'll put a link in the video notes for, for the show. was recommended um, to me. Because it's brilliant. Mm. Um, she uses uh, Michael Bay's work to... Lindsay, Lindsay Ellis. Lindsay Ellis. Mm. And, and we'll put a link up. She's got a six-part series, seven-part series? Seven like. parts on this particular... On, on, on Michael Bay specifically on his Transformers yeah. films mm. but she's done other essays as well she did a long series on the Lord of the Rings as well and she speaks she speaks of film craft or, or film mm. language mm. Um, and the language of film is it's a tapestry of all sorts of things it has mm. it has nuance it, it, it includes ambience it includes sound um, crescendo. Mm. It takes from everywhere and it is an organic thing that has changed over the years. Film mm. 
you know, the films of the 70s are totally different to the films of the 80s and so on. And because we, we define this thing as we go along. But as we define it, we also establish rules. And those rules are there for a reason because the audience are a participant in this. They're part of this equation. They're, they're an element in the, in the chemical concoction that is film. And if you don't want to abuse your audience, you have to understand how this film language works. She does a really cool thing where she puts a bunch of text rolling above her head while she's talking to camera. And she say, and I think it's text from a book, a Transformers book, and it's rolling along. And she said, read the text, but also listen to my voice and try to understand what I'm saying and tell me, can you under, can you remember what I just said? Mm. And you can't mm. because you can only take information in at a certain time. And the theory is, of course, that there's no such thing as multitasking. There's just task juggling. Mm. And you can't dedicate your brain to more than one thing at a time. You can go there and then here, but you can't do both. Um, and so what happens is everything suffers. So she laid it out in a graph, and I thought it was fantastic, where she laid this graph out and she said, a film, a film that is created well with good film language it ebbs and flows and it and it lifts up and then it rises down and it bumps and it comes up and down and there's a Michael Bay <clears> film <throat> comes in at eight <laughs> yeah. and then just maintains it. Plateaus. For the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. And that was evident in this <clears throat> film in you know, for the first 10, 15 minutes. It just didn't stop. All of that stuff, that up and down and that stuff, that's for contrast. So you can have a little breather every now and again. Yep. You know, I think there's a rather famous but slightly pretentious, you know orchestra piece composed by some dude and it was just silence mm. you know very pretentious slightly wanky but the point is silence is part of the music as well it's in the french <clears> have <throat> a word for it don't they? it's called siger and which is it's a it's a timely pause mm. in music used to bring emphasis to contrast yeah yeah, yeah. i remember a theater director that trained me early on used to call it hi- hiatus. We mm. need a, a hiatus. Yeah. Mm. yeah. In animation, mm. we call it a, um, a beat. Animation mm. beats. Mm. Right? You, you hold for a beat. You hold, mm. you, you know, you wait for a beat. You know, you. it's critical. You complete an action in a beat. Yeah. In her video, she she talks about two different types of um, editing, doesn't she? She says a contrast-based editing. And the other one, I can't remember the, the word she uses, but um, basically- It's desaturated. It's a desaturated said, where yeah. the blacks and the whites- if we were talking about an image, we'd say the blacks and the whites are really sort of crushed and it's very level. Mm-hmm. There's no contrast. Mm. Well, there's an editing style of doing it. Mm. And unfortunately, that's what Michael Bay suffers from. Now, he does it. He does it with the image up here, but it's the same and there's no I contrast. Think what you was using is one of the um, <clears throat> Alfred Hitchcock films. Mm-hmm. The, where bir- the Birds or something. Yeah, the birds or something or other. Yeah. Um, and it was very oh, bland. No, it was um, it was Psycho. <clears throat> psycho, yes. And so they'd have this very bland A, yeah. B, A, B. And then she said something about the mother. Which brings up the tension. And, and, and the so guy, we cut to a different yeah, angle. Yeah, and now we have this crazy up. angle with a bird in the yeah, background yeah. and there's all blacks and whites everywhere. And to it, contrast yeah, and then, the grey. And that gives each of those things meaning. Yeah. So... That goes a long way to the schmozzle that is this film, isn't it? Because you cannot, your brain is not given a chance to rest and understand what I've just watched. There's also another thing that might just play into that is that there is nothing to understand. And I think there's no depth to the characters. That is what attracts this particular kind of audience that loves this film. 
is the fact that they can just you know just yeah. lean back. I don't have to think about <laughs> yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to do anything. I can be totally passive and just let entertainment stream into my yeah. through my eyes for for the time being. So the critics say something like, "I didn't understand the character's motivate. You know, the character's motivations and and stuff you know, and the story didn't make sense." But the other people who loved it, who are like, you know, watching it ten thousand miles an hour and only. And because it's only so deep, they're like, oh, yes, I totally got that character. Yes, I totally got what was happening there. And the big, um, the standout fact, the the question that comes from that Mm. is not why, but how are these same people able to... Manipulate a keyboard. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, look. To be honest, I don't person- want to be too disparaging, but some of my readings of some of those comments by those people <laughs> who liked it a lot, they didn't exhibit perfect skills when operating a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> knuckles, will, knuckles, and elbows will do that. <laughs> um, all right. So while we're on Michael Bay, before we leave Michael Bay, let's let's can we for, for, first of all. We've discussed it. He does do some things well. What does Michael Bay bring to cinema? Can you can you give me one thing that br- Michael Bay brings to cinema, to the world of cinema? And what does he take away from cinema? What is something that we can we can charge him with a, a cinema crime for taking away? But first of all, like what does he bring to cinema? Well, I've already mentioned the cinematography and the the fantastic visuals. Audacious, I, agree, I agree with that. Audacious action scenes. Yeah, some of the biggest explosions of all time came. He brings, at least to the American audience, a sense of of nationalism. He he loves films with helicopters and soldiers, and Mm -hmm. the soldiers are always good guys. The government is bad, but the soldiers are always always good, so that'll that'll appeal to many Americans. And I think if you were in America, there would be a sense, we would be able to say perhaps he brings a sense of patriotism to And depending on where you stand, that could be a positive. Or yeah, a negative. That's right. Depends on which side of that flag you, yep. you're waving. Um, so, but what does he take away? What's well, his crime? Well, what I also think, he, well, straddling those two concepts, what he brings to, uh, the good thing that he brings to cinema is that he's a bad example that everybody can reference. Yep. Uh, but he's also a good that's example. That's a silver lining. He is polarizing. He's also a good example that, <laughs> that directors should reference. They yeah. should copy his films and, and see what camera moves he's come up with, what compositions he's come up with. Could you imagine just if he took much. all the best things that he does and corp- incorporated with somebody that understands contrast and nuance and, ca- and the value of character mm. and narrative, wouldn't you, would, would it work? I, I don't know. Can you do that? Are People do it. Do that? People do it. He has learned. He has gone to film school. He has learned how to compose shots and how to do it well. People have done fantastic films without sacri- and this is the thing that he sacrifices he does he sacrifices my empathy for the characters mm-hmm. he doesn't let me engage with the characters he doesn't make me as an audience care yeah and that is one of the most important things in storytelling but i don't think he wants to storytell mm. i think what he should do is just blatantly make a movie and maybe he's done that already with this film just blatantly make a movie without even trying to tell a story. I, just well, no, do no, no, I think that's Michael what this Bay is. Film. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that's what this is. Yeah. yeah. What you're arguing for is the three-dimensional chess that he's on a hyper different plane and he's yeah. got his shit in a pile yeah. and he's got it all worked out. I think there's another explanation of the facts, and that is, no, he doesn't have his shit in a pile. Yeah. He's just, and he's worked out that he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. So <clears> what <throat> he needs, he's got worked out. True. He's got that one thing that he does really, really well, and yep. that's all he does, and he doesn't give a shit about the rest, and his success uh, gives him mm. justification. The problem is 
that he's successful with it. The yes. problem are the people that reinforces who the bad keep reinforce that because that's they right. throw all their money at them. Yeah. That's the mean that's the problem. I mm. don't have a problem with Michael Bay. He should kick and do whatever he likes. I have a problem with I have a problem with him that. getting away with it because there's all these <laughs> for the lack of a better word, sorry yeah. to say, but these morons <laughs> yes. out there it's that Trump, actually enjoy it's a Trump thing, isn't throwing it? their like, money at him. It's 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 easier it's easy to fob off the idiot, right? But it's the people that are champ- the champions of the idiot yeah. that really need to pull their head in. Mm. And mate, I quote Peter Travers from Rolling Stone when you're asking him, what are his crimes? <laughs> yeah. Um, <coughs> this He says, it's not just that he's killing the art of movies. He's killing the joy of movies as well. His cynical, untouched by human hands approach to filmmaking is that it is proof that a sucker is born every minute and he's here to serve them. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that is what's annoying is that he's starting to train new audiences to appreciate shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So. All right. So let's look at. Just the- back on the, the third dimensional chest. Yeah, 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 Sorry. Yeah, just, go, go. just back on the third dimensional chest. I've got some stuff here about the writers and the writing. And that's oh, where good. I'm coming from, where there are actually writers. Mm. They pay writers and writer teams mm-hmm. to work on this film. Yes, two writers on this, <clears throat> according to this. I've got a bit of a thing, so we'll, we'll yep. talk about them hopefully in, in, a, in a little bit. But so that's why I think, why are they paying writers for? <laughs> Is that a, a front? They're just like, a, you know, I it's, don't know. It's a prem- I mean, then it's a, there is a story. It's just a very thin, yeah. shallow premise. I think they pay the writers because a movie like this starts in, for want of a better phrase, a round table. With a little bit of Chardonnay, right? And he says, "Wouldn't it be good if we could take the Transformers to the time of Arthur, right?" Yeah. And that person over there says, "Yeah, but pyramids, you know, and 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 what about submarines? We could go underwater, and whatever." And and you're left with all of these this pinboard of ideas that would sell a lot of merchandise, right? Mm-hmm. That's why you need writers because you got to get from the opening credits yeah. to the closing credits somehow. <clears throat> so to sort of strengthen what Tom was saying about not caring about plot or character depth or anything, that, that means he probably actually has to actively be fighting against that because if the chari- if the writers are saying, "Look, I've got this this really cool backstory for one of the characters," you see. They, w- they started off their life as an orphan and then they lost their favourite puppy and then Michael Bay's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you lost <laughs> me. Yeah, 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 you lost me. Boring. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He says that. What do the says, lunchboxes look like? A, <laughs> yeah. a quote that I saw where he says, no, we're not filming this. This is, this is too boring. Who wants to see that? This is not visually interesting. Why would you throw money at this? Yeah. Another quote that he gave to uh, with the Mother Jones um, website interview uh, you look at the box office return. This is about him, how he's reviled and hated by other directors, <laughs> rightfully so. If you look at the box office returns, break it down, and you see that 120 million people went to see Transformers 3. So, you know, 500 critics are not going to take the fun out of it for me. I make movies for people. I make movies for audiences to enjoy. A few sour apples are not going to spoil my fun. There's so many more yep. people who enjoy it than yep. people who rip it. Yep. And there's enough people who just... Yep, and I think you probably you probably tapped on um, the key. He wants to have fun. Yep, that's all. He, like, yeah, he's having fun. Yeah. Well, let's talk about box office. 
right? It, it cost them uh, $217 million to make this thing. I have a theory, and we'll touch on this a little bit more later on, especially when I was watching some of the scenes that were included, some of the shots that were included in this film the other night. They started to, coming from the person that sometimes has to work out the importance of a shot because can you afford it? Can you, like the budgets and schedules and things like that, you start to look at shots and more than just their art, their creative nature. You start to look at them as a business mm. and you and you look at it and say, how much did would that have cost and why was it in there? Mm. And I've got a theory that if this cost $217 million, I think $100 million of it, close to it, and something rings a bell about an article I read once, I think nearly $100 million of it went to Michael Bay. Should we get lawyers now? It's like nearly $90 million. I remember reading an article and it, and it stated something ridiculous at the time to me that Michael Bay makes $90 million every time he does a, a Transformers film and that's why he keeps making them because he makes ridiculous amounts of money. But he also owns the company that makes the films, right? He owns the production house that mm. makes the films. Um, uh, uh, Universal is the... Is, was it Universal? Was it Paramount? Paramount. Yeah, Paramount. It is Paramount. Paramount is the distributor, but he, he his company makes the film, and I think in co- cooperation with Spielberg. Spielberg's in there somewhere. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah, um, he's the, in the mix somewhere. Light and um, Robert uh, Spielberg's um, house that does all the effects. Uh, ILM? Oh, ILM, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. the biggest house that, that does this yeah. film. Um, but that $217 million, that's a lot of money. Right? There's a lot of other films around mm. 110, 115, 120 million. That's almost double that. I've got a theory that most of that money, that half of that money goes to Michael Bay. Mm. Right? Because I saw some shots in that film that served no purpose whatsoever, that had nothing to do with the narrative, that had nothing to do with a product placement, had nothing to do with a transformer so I could go and buy it. I'd already we'd already established who that character was and what they did. And it was just shoved in there. And there was a lot of those shots. So it was at least half a dozen to a dozen of these shots that I looked at and I thought, fuck me. But if he's putting shots into the film and he's making money somehow off shots mm. because the distribution and the like, there'll be money coming from distribution, there'll be money coming from investment. He's um, further incentivized to pad it out. Exactly. If, if he's <clears> potentially <throat> making profit off shots, then a two-hour, 45-minute film... Probably made a massive chunk of that money when mm. went to him, um, but that's a theory. We, we, I digress. Um, now, have a look at the two figures here. We have got domestic 130 million. Let me swap our video over here so that fans can, can follow us at home with the uh, stats here. Um, 130 local, 475 domestic. Now, what we can do here? Hang on, 475 foreign. I can look here and show you what markets are spending that money. China, $228 million of the domestic 400. Over half the the foreign market hmm. came from one country, yes. China. China, what are you doing? Now, when you used to watch foreign films dubbed into English... What type of films did you did you used to watch more than? Did you watch dramas and comedies? No, you watch crazy yeah. action films. Yeah, yeah. 
because you can't read. That works universal. <laughs> the humor doesn't work everywhere in the but world. But you can't yeah, read yeah. and watch at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, mm. so you, you lean towards mm. action films. But and action and horror and is is the that's why 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 you make horror films. That's why like the the most films that I've worked on as a visual effects artist have been horror films because those are the films that get made here in the ACT and that's because those are the films that you can create cheaply and mm -hmm. get a quick audience for. The audience is happy to receive a mediocre product. They're used to that. Yep. And you can sell it to all over the world because that's the language everyone understands. You can't send a comedy all over the world. You don't know what you're going to get out of your well, drama. Well, the timing changes and, uh, the yeah. and humor changes from culture yeah. to mm -hmm. culture. So mm -hmm. action is... There might be Universal. another thing. Universal. There might be another thing with China is that if anything is lost in translation, doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't fucking <Absolutely>. matter. <laughs> Absolutely. And even the audience might be slightly forgiving. Is that the Chinese audience are watching it and they're trying to read the stuff on the bottom, or maybe it's dubbed and there doesn't yep. quite make any sense to them, and they're saying, "Well, it's probably because of the translation. It's probably a really good movie." Now that's they're they're in front by a long way. <clears throat> Look down the list there. You're 228 million China. Everyone else is in the under 10 million, you know, just in the double figures, low double figures. No one else comes even close, right? You've got South Korea there at 19 million, United Kingdom 12 million, but no one is close to. Where's is, where is the US of A? Oh, this is well, foreign. This, this is, is foreign. foreign. Yes, Domestic is still only that same. Um, 130 million. 130 million. That is well, 10 times more than any other country. Yeah. And it's, but it's half the budget. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes you wonder whether maybe some of that 217 million might have come from Chinese investment. I don't know. Do we have the marketing budget? Um, no. But also, um, there's, not, there's no subject that's explored. It's safe for China. Yeah, there's a lot of American yeah, flag waving, mm. but the Ch Chinese are pretty much immune to, to that. Yeah, there's nothing that really needs to be censored out for the Chinese. Yeah, fair call. There's no yeah. topic discussed, so it's a very safe. Film. Like it's quite violent and a um, um, lot of action. What's the? Uh, let me see here. I think it's even in the. It's PG thirteen, so it's not like super violent in the sense of. Violence and intense sequences of sci-fi action, language, and some innuendo. But the violence is mainly kind of but there's no robot sex, violence. There's no drugs. There's no blood. Is there's there? no blood. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's sort of robot. There's scuffs on people's faces and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. yeah there's no nobody visceration or any of that sort of <laughs> goodies. Um, and did we even see any humans die of as as a result of fighting, other than maybe Hannibal Lecter? We see people. Well, why does he die? Does he get shot or does he get a heart attack? He tries he to fight the... He, he pulls out the, the lamest, tiniest laser gun in the world from the end of his cane yeah. and decides he's going to take on mega robots. Mega, Megatron. Oh, does he? And yeah, he, shoots, he shoots Megatron. shoots Megatron with his thing and then something bad happens to him. And well, he, Megatron gets pissed and, and... And blows him up. Blows him up and he flies through the air and lands in the crater. Is he the only one who dies in the whole film? Well, that we see... He, yeah, he, and he does, yeah. he does die. Probably. Like, we yeah, see him possibly. die. He dies... Front and center, yeah, yeah but not, not violent. It's movie he, no, death no. where he just lies down in the mud. He he's, down, just, he talks, he's got shrapnel he holes, but no makes peace with his maker. There's no gushing blood or anything. And of that Cogsman sort of says he's the coolest person he's ever served. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if we throw it up against its predecessor, so this is Transformers Five versus Transformers Four, and we can see some of the differences there. A budget was very similar. 
Um, where is the budget gone here? It's the lowest grossing Transformers film. Is that the top, Dave? You just scrolled past oh, it. Oh, did I? Yeah, yeah. It's the, 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 the big fat one in the under oh, the top. It's bold. <laughs> yeah, the bold okay. one. Yeah. So it's around about the same budget, but um, this film sort of domestically grossed about half of the previous film. The previous film was the um, first film with Marky Mark. Yep. Um. Around about the same length, not 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 too much different. Um, and what was its uh, international worldwide gross? One billion. In fact, it's one of only twenty-three films. There's only twenty-three films. The so Transformers Four is one billion. I read this yeah. the other day in an article. There's only twenty-three films. I think it was an IMDb article. There's only twenty-three films that have broken the the billion. And Transformers has two of them. Yeah, in that list. <clears throat> I will tell you, Michael Bay is going to get studied by film historians in hundred years to come. Yeah, no, he will be pulled out right. as as a, as a as a thing worthy of studying. Yep. For the same reason that Donald Trump is going to be studied as an yep. American president in hundred years' time. Yep. There's infamy involved. Well, it's kind of like a, I don't know. It's the critical mass of the dumbass. Yeah. Look at this figure. This figure here is the interesting one. Percent foreign percentage of worldwide gross. 78%, 77%. So they make these films make most of their money in an international market. Is Transformers 4 also a Chinese um successful? That's amazing. Probably, hey. Um Oh, the 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 market, uh, this yeah, this was, one here. It's yeah. so how, similar how well did the Chinese like Transformers, Transformers 4. 4. Very good call. Transformers 4. Oh, only 320 million. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's insane. More, yeah. That's one wow. third. That's one third of its overall all overall earnings came from one country. So most of it, so more, what, what percentage of foreign profits is China generally? Well, I think it's there, isn't it? 28%? Yeah, it's generally, generally with other films. I mean, they have a huge population. 37 so of total. So obviously, they have a huge population. You bring in a lot of money. That's obvious, 37% right? of... Oh, no, that's Czech Republic. Hang on, where's China? 20, 20. 28.8. Um, no. Percentage of total? I'm not sure what that is then. Yeah, no. No, I, that can't be. Because yeah. Croatia can't be higher than um, China. But th- it was 1.1 billion worldwide, and, and 320 million is China... Um, so it's a third of the world market, mm. which means it's way more than it's a third of the world population. The, the local, yeah, mm. yeah, it makes sense. Mm. Different dis- distribution house. This, uh, how would you say that, Tom? Huijie, Huijie, Huijie. Huijia. Huijia. What I would say, but I'm not. I don't know. Um, everybody <laughs> else. Me? Everybody else is Universal. Um, oh, Paramount. Um, Paramount. I I had a look. Um, Transformers Five is Paramount. PPI. That's Paramount Pictures International, is PPI, I believe. Yep. Um, so the different distribution over in China. Um, Paramount's missing out on some big bucks there. Oh, they fixed that for Transformers Five. Yeah. 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 Have a look. Oh, was it really? Yeah, I was. I was surprised when I glanced over. Yes. Paramount distribution. They saw. They went. Mm, we're missing out on. Fucking hell! There. They would have made some big. That's two hundred and twenty-eight million. Most of that is box office. Like most of that's coming to the distribution house. Um, that's outstanding. Mm. All right. So the last one we'll just have a look at here is how it compares to all the other Transformers films. 
Um, and of course, it's last if we don't include the 1986 Transformers movie, which is a cartoon one. Yep. Which is the best of the lot. Which I believe so, yeah. yeah. It's a classic. And you could add the money in for the for that and it wouldn't make any difference to the total at all. It's got That it's film, got the, the original ones and the TV series make me want to buy the toys. Yeah. These new films don't because I cannot imagine mm-hmm. playing with a toy that has 100,000 cogwheels on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This sound wave, the original sound wave, was the, like a Walkman with the, the tape. Yeah, the I tape, remember that. The tape would eject and it was a bird. Type yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, Megatron yeah. was a rifle. He was a like pistol. a, wa- a, hand, a, yeah, hand, a hand pistol yeah. with a long. And Bumblebee was a VW. <laughs> right. Michael Bay's like, <laughs> gentle <laughs> We don't like the German VW. We'll have American muscle car well, right up until they have Ferraris and Lamborghinis and, and Mercedes. <clears throat> yeah. And I think even, they had even a, the old they little Citron in this one. Well, yeah, it, it turned into a bloody Lamborghini, didn't yeah, it? Did they too. couldn't even leave that alone. Yeah, they did too. That's right. Um, so yeah, you can see there. I mean, it's it's a downhill. Uh, I th- I believe that the trend is going to go south from this point forward. It has been know. going. The, the in terms of I don't know if they, if you ever looked up graphics. Mm. I only know the hearsay and anecdotal graphics from people who have seen all five of them. I've seen. Three, I saw the first, I saw the second, and then I gave up, and then you forced me to watch this first <laughs> But from what I hear from that. everybody else who's, who's liked Transformers and, and started, sh- you know, stopped sh- watching at some point, mm-hmm. it's really downhill in an inverse numbering of, of, of the films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number one is better than number two, which is better than three, which yeah. is, you know, four is worse and five is... Almost. Like with box... I think with quality, yes, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. But with box office, I think they did some mark, extra marketing to bring one slightly above the... I think the um, Revenge of the Fallen, which was the third? I've got a feeling it was a, maybe second. Um, it sort of jumped in front of... Like there's the list there anyway in the rankings, in the, in the money rankings. So the first film is third... Um, the second film is first, and then this is the third film, and then Age of Extinction is the fourth film, and it's in fourth position. And I think these positions are going to stay from this point forward. Um, notice over here we've got Bumblebee film um, due in 2018. Yep. I don't know how that's going to go because they haven't. I don't, as far as I'm aware, they haven't shot anything. Well, that's December, yeah, this year. <laughs> I don't think. I think that's optimistic. And then Transformers Seven. So obviously Seven. They're, they're, they're they're counting the original film. Oh, no, they'd be counting Bumblebee, I assume. Oh, they might be re- counting Bumblebee. Yeah. Well, I've got a bit of information on that. Yeah, on which, the new one or Bumblebee? Uh, all of that type of stuff, actually. Yep. <clears throat> if you go on to IMDb and look up Transformers, mm. you'll find that there is actually a Transformers page for six and – no, no, seven and eight. Oh, really? But there's no Transformers page for six. Which this one must be. Because I've never seen Transformers 5 written anywhere. It's always Transformers The Last Night. Yeah. They don't put a number on it. Well, look, I've got a bit of a story that I want to see if I can sort of start to put together here. But basically, Transformers 6 Mm -hmm. doesn't exist anymore because I think that became Bumblebee the movie. Yep. The incredibly named Bumblebee the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Lots, okay. of, lots of six-year-old girls want to go and at the birthday party and yeah. <laughs> take their friends yeah. to see that film. I'd be very surprised. So, all right. So, uh, I've got a bit of stuff here. So, I'll I'll start with um, um, 
the original movies, the three, two, three, and four. Now they were written by this guy called Aaron Kruger, and so I just want to follow that um, timeline just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I found an article because I went and started because I was thinking about the story and the writing, and I was like, "Who writes this stuff? And what's going on? And how did that all come together?" So I went and looked up, and Aaron Kruger. If you can maybe jump onto IMDb, yep, um, <clears throat> and start fossicking around, you can find Aaron Kruger as the the writer for some of the original the original stuff. If you're at home, you look it up as well. <laughs> yeah, open a new tab and uh, and open it up. So, um, I found an interview with him, and I and uh, this was from 2000 and let me just check. Yeah, 2014. So they're talking about him and and his writing and and how he works and everything. So there was some interesting stuff about um, how the stories kind of come together. Um, I'm just trying to find it here. Yeah, I'm very curious about... So this is the reporter asking. Very curious about how the projects have changed along the way. For example, you know, um, did you ever come to a place when you're, when you're discussing this stuff with Michael where you say, wait a minute, this isn't working. We're going to dramatically change the story. And Kruger responds, well, from my perspective, there are a lot of changes along the way because I'll pitch things and some will be approved and some not. Laughs. My original pitch for Revenge of the Fallen was totally different from the 100% different from the story that ended up. Um, anyway, then he goes on to talk about how these things kind of change and um, and those type of things. Another thing that I just want to point out while I'm on this article is that he was talking uh, to the to the guy about um, Hasbro. So he says, I'm also very curious about the relationship with Hasbro. Obviously, Transformers is a hugely successful toy line. There any you know any sort of interaction you know um, with Hasbro you know what's the deal there and so Kruger responds we very much tell them what we're interested in doing we certainly ask their advice they have years of experience with these characters so we might describe a new character and what they'd think about it um, we've never done all the um, the movies before um, and they've never had any kind of veto power or anything, but they're just a fantastic resource. So, they don't talk to Hasbro very much. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, I'm just laying a bit of a base work here. The next thing that I've got in my little sort of timeline is that in... So, those are all of the movies with Kruger. Then they, at the end, they ask, Kruger, are you going to be writing the next one? And he says, who knows? It's a crazy world. What, what, who knows what could, ha- what could happen? In 2015, one year later, they start all these articles pop up about um, this thing called the Transformers Writers Room, and this is some amazing development where Paramount have this crazy idea where they're going to get all of the writers in a room, and multiple articles tell it like this: this amazing concept of getting all of the writers together for two weeks in a room, and they're going to write this, you know, explain the stories and stuff. So anyway, that's what they do, um, and Kruger's not writing the thing anymore, and then they come up with Transformers 5, and that's what comes out of their amazing writing experience. If you have a look at the writers that are involved in that, you can see on Transformers 6 and 7, those two writers are... Um, Markham, Holloway, and Ken Nolan. Those are the writers planned for 
six, uh, seven and eight. Mm. But seven and eight have basically now been scrapped. Oh, have they? All right. So this is where I'm getting to. And I'll just sort of read you out the, the final bit of the story. Is that because the great experiment didn't work? Well, you tell me. The The original writer is gone. Then the, the guys that write the new, the last movie that we've just discussed here, well, you can see what happened with that. And then it looks like they had the plans for, uh, for six, seven, and eight. Mm. Seven and eight have just disappeared off the face of the earth. And six looks like it's turned into the Bumblebee movie. Yep. And there is a new writer and a new director for that. And Bumblebee is not going to be directed by Michael Bay. And Bumblebee is not going to be directed by Michael Bay. And it's um, being considered a spin-off. There's even talk of the word reboot. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. Wow. Maybe that's a film worth seeing then. I I think there's a a quote. Michael Bay... um, He's basically said this will be the last Transformers film uh, he will direct for the moment. He is open to doing more films in the future if he gets a good story. (laughs) (laughs) So in true Bay format, right? (laughs) He doesn't leave the door open. He leaves the concierge there. Fucking trail of M and M's. All right, I want to conclude my little bit here with um, with this, which is where all of this ended up. All of these articles pointing around, discussing about what's happened to seven and eight, yeah. and the two writers are on seven or eight. They're like gone. Yep. And what's happened to six? So um, this is from TFW which is Transformer World, the website for all the Transformer fans. Yeah, yeah, we're getting serious now. Okay, then. So I just want to read that. This is fairly short. Um, This is not something we thought we'd hear today. At the the Toy Fair at Hasbro, Hasbro has specifically stated that a new team at Paramount Paramount will reset the Transformers live-action thing with the release of the Bumblebee movie. Sure enough, the company has removed Transformers 6, the sequel to The Last Night, um, da-da-da-da-da. Additionally, there are there is no Transformers live uh, movie listed uh, for the f- foreseeable future, so it's all been scrapped. But this is the line that I found most interesting. Furthermore, a new agreement with Paramount will have Hasbro having greater control of the movie, the movies, including greenlighting the movie projects, mm. and they'll be spending a whole bunch of money. Wow. So they've probably seen the Marvel model where mm. the, the property takes back creative control of these vehicles a little bit more. Mm. I think they might have got away with things for a few years and the money kept rolling in and then you see this type of investment versus versus its return, put it against what they're used to getting. Um, I don't know. Well, maybe they got a really... They got a deal that they thought was good mm. for the initial movie, yeah. right? And they thought, 20 bucks for all our IP? Yeah, sure, take it. Yeah. Awesome, we're going to have our IP. And they go, we're going to get 20 bucks, 20 bucks. Yeah. And then they go and make billions off it. Well, And then they're like, ah, shit. They certainly weren't a struggling IP. Like, Transformers have been on telly in so many new 
iterations. There's Beast Wars. There's all these different iterations, and and the old school yeah. stuff is still quite popular. Um, I mean, I haven't seen many toys as like. There's well, a lot they of movie don't lend toys. So well, you to can't. Them. No, no, no. And I've got a feeling that's what's behind it. Yeah. Where's it's making Michael Bay a lot of money in Paramount, yeah. but it's probably not bringing in. Yeah. This is what the I'm saying. That Hasbro wants. Yeah. Maybe Hasbro singing. want to diversify a little bit because Marvel sell comics. Mm. Right? But also, I but mean, I can guarantee look most at of the their money is not coming from comics recently. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, well, and I think that they want stuff that's going to help them sell toys. Yeah. Because yeah. those things don't, tra- as Tom mentioned before, they don't translate to great toys. Not really. No. And they're probably not even really focused on the market that Hasbro's. No. Right? They're not really kids' movies. Mm. They're these action-packed, exactly. I don't know, Michael Bay. And that brings up that brings up something that we should talk about here. And Tom brought it up in a conversation earlier today. Who is the target audience for this film? I have a theory. Tell Ooh. me your theory. Um, uh, thinking about it on Monday, actually, I was trying to get my head around this film. And... Uh, and yeah, the fact that I kind of enjoyed the experience a bit, and then I realised it reminds me of watching a frantic first-person game, not playing it, but standing over someone's shoulder watching them play. Mm-hmm. And I reckon it's um, really the young—well, when I say young, early high school um, to mid-gamers and male. Gamers, so mid his. mid-teens to mid-twenties. Oh, mid-teens, like, yeah, mid-high school. Yep. Because um, that reminds me, it's a first-person shooter, defi- heaps of action, but there's no story. It's just... Yeah, mm. it's definitely the, the statistic mm. that I want to see is out of those, you know, 100 millions of dollars, Yeah. who paid them? What's the demographic? That's what I want to see. And you're probably right. It's probably mostly mm. male adolescents. Because they keep that, they keep that stuff just pretty guessing. stum. They don't share that information. Readily, because that's the formula. If you can work out who the demographic is that are going to watch your films and you're making the money, mm. then you 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 know exactly how to market and know where to go. And that's a science, and there's a lot of money involved there. So it's not easy to find that information. It's we almost- can we can speculate. Mm. I know that they started the Michael Bay films started, and this goes back to Bad Boys mm. and Armageddon. It's really that um, late teens into the early 20s male audience. Um, as we've gotten further into the series of Transformers, it looks like we're shooting for the female audience to be inclusive there as well with Mark Wahlberg's bice- yeah. biceps board on Yeah, yeah. Uh, board on board. Because think about the, the first Transformers film where you've got the dweeby high school kid. He's yeah. funny, but he's not that smashingly looking yeah. next to Megan Fox. And then you've got this film where the the male, you know, they yeah, it's true. Start to pick up a little and bit. All the handsome soldiers. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What's his name? Chisel Josh. 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 What's his yeah. What's his face? Um, so that I, it's hard to know. I mean, two hundred and you know, one third of your money is being made in China. What's the demographic in China? Like, who are the people in China watching it as well? Is it totally different? Is it a totally different demographic? Is it kids? Is it 12, year, 12 to 14-year-olds that are spending all the money at the cinemas in China? I don't know. Because the story is like a really... But I can't tell from the film who yeah. it's fucking geared at, and that's the problem. That's why we're discussing it, because normally <laughs> normally you can watch a movie and say, oh, yeah, I know exactly who you're, you're, mm. you're marketed at. Mm. I don't know who the audience is in this film. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Right in, let us know. Send us some comments if you've got any ideas because I've I've got no idea because I can't back. I've only got a a rough, loose idea, but I don't have a lot to back it up. No. Because it's not on the screen. Tapping into that gamer sort of let's play audience, that might be – that's a good thought, but, again, that seems like Mm. three-dimensional chess that's way outside the scope of the people we're beyond – you, 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 Do you think Michael you Bay knows what a let's play is, and what a, a, you know this yeah. person? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about you know the sort of people that like what, to watch yeah. Twitch TV and just watch a, you know a game played. Yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying, and I think it's a really yeah. good thought. And you're probably right, but I don't know if that was designed beforehand. To, yeah. It might oh, pick up that audience. Yeah, it, yeah, I think it picks up that audience. I mean, I've, I've, the more we talk about it, I'm just thinking this is Michael Bay having fun. And um, what's Michael Bay making money too? And, and making money out while he's having fun. Yeah. Mm. Um, and he's not being held to account. Like most directors are held to account. Like mm. you, you, you screw up a couple of times, whatever, and then the world comes down on you, and people won't finance your fucking films. He's still getting two hundred and seventeen million thrown at him. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> because he doesn't if, fuck up. And because if, what counts is the money. If, mm. That's his mm. making profit. And mm. he could he could announce the next one tomorrow. He could say, "Yeah, bugger it, I'm going to do another one." They'll still throw two hundred and seventeen yeah. million at him. Mm. Yeah, without a problem. Um, people <laughs> How want much a spectacle. Is it him <laughs> having oh. fun. How much is it him basically masturbating in public? Try to put that out there. Yeah, I know where you're coming from. And then how how does he get so many talented people on board? Money. Anthony Hopkins has seen this. Money, 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 money. It's got to be, hasn't it? And also, I mean, and let's face it, for Anthony Hopkins, you know, he's probably he probably puts more thought into his breakfast than what he had to do <laughs> into that role. <laughs> so he's probably making big money. And for yeah. him, as a proper actor, mm. he just walks up, puts the clothes on, says a couple of lines, and yeah. pisses off back home. I'll tell you this much: I've got to see Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins played um, the bad guy. In the second Red film, you know the Red. Oh yeah, yeah. He was he was the uh, a British scientist that came up with a real bad chemical sort of weapon and was stuck in an institute for thirty years or something like that. And in that film, he played bumbling, bumbling pommy guy. Mm-hmm. Well, in this film, he played bumbling pommy guy, and I need to see him in a in a Silence of the Lambs type film again <laughs> to know that he still got it. Because I haven't seen him in too much. Where we give him great accolade, but has he? Is he really? Is he still there? You know what I mean? Is he like Sam Neil? You know, we gave him high credit, and then he sort of shifted into these real paycheck type movies. Mm. He um, he played a mulled little role in in Westworld. He played an important role in Westworld, yeah, but he's not true. in many shots. But he, yeah, he, he it's it's worth seeing. That's him all there. I needed. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I've seen those scenes where he's interviewing the girl. Yeah, um, and he's. Very powerful. Those scenes are very powerful. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he's he has not still much got it. In, but he's an important part, yeah. So he's not afraid to uh, make the big paycheck from time to time, the big fella. All right, let's 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 um, let's lay it on the line here, guys. I want from each of you, uh, I want one, I was going to say two, but let's just go one. Give me one thing you liked about the film. We'll go around the table. And then give me one thing you didn't like about the film. <laughs> And I don't mind if it's the most uh, disliked thing or the most liked thing. Um, it's up to you whether it's a passionate thing or just something you can recall. Dan, what did you like about this film? 
There's got to be something in two hours and 45 minutes. That you didn't have to see it a second time. (laughs) (laughs) I liked Industrial Light and Magic. This is like asking Superman, what do you like about Earth? He goes, uh... Uh... Flies off. Yeah, yeah. What in the world could that be? So you like the, um, the visual effects execution... The visual effects execution, yeah, that sounds fair. Considering the green screen work that was in this film, there was probably about three shots that I saw were poorly executed. But everything else was pretty outstanding. Mm. ILM. uh, Yeah. yeah. As usual, this is what we say pretty much every time. They usually knock it out of the park. Yep. He he must have a massive team when when he has a film go through ILM. Like, he's got to have a big crew working. ILM has to have a massive crew working on these films. That is exactly my problem. We all know how incredibly expensive visual effects work is. And every single shot is polished and superb and with a load of polygons in there. Yep. And animation. Yep. And rendering. So they're so incredibly expensive to make, which is why I can't understand that it's making in making the kind of money that it's bringing in, that's making it worthwhile because visual effects houses usually have a hard time making making money back yeah they have a hard time breaking even with shots and a lot of them go under it's it still boggles me as to how ILM make money hmm? I don't I don't know how ILM make money because they do like you know the, the Avengers the first Avengers film where they it, a lot of the bat, final battle took place in downtown hmm. New York they had a crew of people for three and a half months 3D scanning and photogrammetry scanning New York from ground from halfway up buildings and then there's a really cool render you've seen that render with the photospheres that are all and then they recreate holy crap was it really three and a half months though yeah yeah it was three and a half weeks it was a couple of guys three and a half well most of it was they had to use cherry pickers and cranes and stuff to Mm. get to get where they needed to, to do the photospheres and to do the photogrammetry but man, they, they they go so far into the process. They do not skimp at all, and yet they've stayed afloat for a very long time. Of course, it helps that Disney own them now, and Disney seem to just print money now. How's the year that Disney have had? Mm. You know, we'll we'll talk about that in another show. But man, fuck the you know Black Panther comes out of nowhere, blows a billion away. The Avengers. First weekend, six six hundred and eighty million or six hundred and thirty million. One weekend. Wow. It's only three weeks old. It's one point two billion already. Mm. It's only three weeks into the theater. It's going to be there for another nine weeks. Mm. It'll probably break two bill. <coughs> yeah, I'd watch it again. <laughs> it's crazy. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's good. Want to watch a nice film that you'll enjoy that you won't regret? Yeah, go see that. In contrast to what we're talking about tonight. It shouldn't work for a lot of the reasons why this thing doesn't mm. work, but it does because it's well written, it's well conceived, it's well thought out, and the characters we give a fuck about. Mm. Anyone volunteering to babysit Olive? Um, yeah, Dan will do that for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can. You can look after a little girl for an evening. Excellent. Show a movie. I'm trying to find one of these shots of. Um, well, while I do, um, what was your favourite thing from the film? Um, for me, it was. Watching the uh, medieval quasi fantasy. Um, oh, the opening sequence. The uh, opening yeah, sequence. sequence. I really enjoyed that. That looked like, in my mind, one of the Warhammer tabletop games I've played come alive. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and They'd the, spared no expense, didn't no. they? It, it looked great. And uh, the, I mean, I, I wish they didn't speak about it um, later on in the film because that totally killed it because they had King Arthur fighting the Anglo-Saxon hordes. Yep. Besides the fact the Anglo-Saxons didn't really turn up for a few hundred years more and that King Arthur was probably a Saxon chieftain. And But anyway, putting that aside... Um, You're lamenting historic yeah. inaccuracies here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, it's, a, you know, American films and things, geography and history is not... Important in any way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I enjoyed watching that. It was really like a Warhammer game yeah. come alive. So, yeah. Tom? After after the uh, the opening in the Middle Ages or the Dark Ages, we go, the first encounter we have with the modern world is these couple of kids that break into some closed off the ghetto, zone. the Forbidden Zone, right? Mm-hmm. And there's military there, human military that looks after the, the, the Transformers or hunts for, hunts for them. They have these two-legged mechs that stalk down the streets and it seems funny in a Transformer film that I would say the things that I really enjoyed seeing are these these mechs. Yeah. They're much simpler. <laughs> They're more like an Ed 209. Yep. And uh, Well they were human they, human I liked built them. weren't they? They were Yeah. Yeah. They were military. I always have a, a yeah an affinity for, for two legged mechs that walk down streets with big guns on the side. Mm. Yeah I like that sequence. I, I like that character. Um, what was his name? Uh the Transformer character that had the rocks all over the top of him. <laughs> this turtle shell guy, yeah. Canopy. Canopy. was Canopy? I can't believe I remembered that. Yeah, it was a good, <laughs> good feat of memory. <laughs> no one's going to argue with you here. <laughs> um, so rather than uh, – we've already poo-pooed it quite a bit, so I won't uh, get you to name the thing you hated about the film the most. But you've named one. Give me the name of two characters from the film. <laughs> this is really difficult. Well, it's going to be more difficult for the person that goes last. Bumblebee, Bumblebee, and Optimus Prime. <laughs> All right, I've got a story. All right, I've got a story. Right, I was I was down the pub with one of my mates the other day, mm. yesterday, the day before, something like that, mm. and I was talking about this movie with him because we were just talking about movies and things in general, and I said, you know, how forgettable it was. Yep. And I swear this is an absolutely true story. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, it's so forgettable. It's completely forgettable. And then he says in response because he wants to rebut me. He says, no, no, it wasn't forgettable. And I said, well, name some characters, like that big robot truck, is what I said. <laughs> and he said, yeah, the robot, yeah, like Maximus Prime. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, his name's Optimus Prime, you idiot. He's like, okay, I accept your point. I cannot even remember the main character's name. <laughs> so, yeah. So you got anyone? Uh, Cogsman. I bags Cogsman. Ah, Cogsman, yes. Oh, the, Cogsman, the, who was voiced by the butler from Downton Abbey, just cause. Ah. That's a Michael Bay just cause. That's a Chardonnay roundtable fucking thing mm. where somebody says, oh, it'd be cool if, you know, because they get into Downton Abbey. Yeah. It'd be cool if uh, our butler had the and same voice. And how come Lucasfilm didn't sue them for stealing C3PO? And R2-D2. Oh, yeah, yeah. That blue other robot. Squeaks. Just, just. A hundred thousand times uglier. It was Squeaks, the the pizza. Yeah. And they even admit that Cogsman's C-3PO in the movie. Ah, uh, yep, yep. Yeah. Movie. God. Well, I think if Lucas was still in charge... You'd, they'd sue. They'd sue. Yep. But while Disney are getting paid 
a big chunk of that two hundred and seventeen million uh, because they own ILM. Uh, um, they're not going to. So, in answer to your question, I can remember Maximus Prime, <laughs> Cogsman, Cogsween, yeah. Bumblebee. Right. Maybe we we shouldn't even say it. you can't remember Transformers. You got to remember human characters. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. I cannot remember any of their other names. I can tell you the the Mark Wahlberg characters, Cade. You've Yay. got IMBDB open in front of you. <laughs> oh, no, no, I did. I wasn't looking. Yeah, I shall minimise. Um, Kade Yeager. What no, was the right. girl's name? Vivian. That Vivian? was the pommy girl. Are yeah. you sure? Yep. The little girl. What oh, no, no, no. The, the young girl. girl. The, 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 the English professor who dresses very oddly for a... Just, um, you know, Michael Bay's typical bikini girl. Bit of yes, Vivian Wembley. Okay, well done. A bit of what was exploitation. the young, you know, the young chick who was the hero in that world, you know, and suddenly tagged along with everybody for some reason yeah, and oh, didn't yeah, really yeah, do anything. Yeah, absolutely, but was just hanging around. Yeah, she was the mechanic. She was. What was her name? Georgina. No. <laughs> Maria. She was with Alonzo. A, she was with a Z. Right? Z. A Z. She was. Oh, was it Natalie? No. Yeah. <laughs> Zola? Is it? It wasn't Natalie with a Z, no. <laughs> it's so, something like so Natalie. No, it was Isabella with oh, a Z. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, threw out the, I threw out the clue yeah, like, a, like a forward to the brain. What um, about you, Tom? You have to remember one. I just I, – I, I, I threw everything in there just then when I, <laughs> I scrambled, all, scrambled for scraps. <laughs> Um, who was Anthony Hopkins? I actually, uh, rem- he was a sir. Wasn't he was he? Whit Whitaker Whitman. Was he yeah, no, no, he wasn't a Whit Whitaker. He was a. He what was, was his name? He was in the order of Whit Whitakins oh. or something. Oh, okay. but I think he's re- hang on his real name, Sir Edmund Burton. Yeah, no, I would no idea. I wouldn't yep. guess that. Uh, but then I don't even remember names that I actually read. Like I read the name of that alien chick that flew her planet to Earth, the big female king queen. What's her name? I don't know. <laughs> I read it, but I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, it's Ganesha's sisters. Her name is... And I'm uh, only trying to remember pictures of letters that I might have seen. Yeah. She's it's like, even, ask me what uh, what shirt colour I wore yesterday. Oh. <laughs> She's not even listed in the uh, in the first section of credits. No, she should be in the second, the voice one. Um, divided up into Quintessa. Act. Quintessa. There you go. Um, Genesis was my guess, and it had lots of S's and E's in there. <laughs> G- G- had letters of the G- alphabet. <laughs> Did you watch the film? Well, <laughs> now, the army guy has been in at least – well, he's been in almost every film, hasn't he? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you're talking know. about an, an underwear guy who yeah, gets yeah. pissed on by, by Bumblebee. Who's the husband in real life Who of, is um, actually a very good actor by the name of – Josh Dumas. No, this is not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking the about the army guy. Which army guy? This this guy here, Josh Dunham. Do do, do um do mail. You're talking about somebody different. Who are you talking about? Stanley Stanley Tucci is that what I'm talking? Yeah, about. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Like I knew what type of movie I was about to see in the first three minutes of the film when he's riding up that pathway and stops the horse and has a big swig of the wine of the grog. And almost looks at Cameron and says, I'm sozzled. <laughs> to himself. Like he says that <laughs> yeah. to himself. Yeah. Because that's what drunks do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were saying that that was the, 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 one of the good scenes in there. And I, and I know well, not that, coming, no, not not that, that moment. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. But it, 
And I know what you're saying. You know, they have the, the knights and the things and there's fireballs and, you know, there's shiny thing. And, and then they chuck in this yep. the sozzled. Yeah. And that not only do they chuck in a sozzled wizard, they make it Merlin, who's yeah. like yep. not a sozzled wizard. He's supposed to be wise and intelligent. Mm, yep. and Michael Bay is, whoa, let's make him a drunk. Yep. Wisdom is because they're part British. Of the they're funny, thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's the Michael Bay Transformers humor. Yeah. And it's tired, mm. and it doesn't. Stanley, uh, what's his name? Stan? Is it Stanley Tucci? Mm. Stanley Tucci, the guy you were talking about. Mm. Um, he's great. He's a great actor. But when you mix it with the Michael Bay comedy, mm. it just gets tired, real. And you, there's no credibility, and you get no. In the previous film, he was the main bad guy in the previous film, um, human bad guy. And he owned this big corporation and this sort of stuff. But he was the same character. He was pretty much the same bumbling idiot character. This is why I was talking about when the writers get into this writing room, that Paramount, this two-week writing workshop, and Steven Spielberg even turns up and they're all super excited. And then... You know, they write the script and then there's a team of, like, five guys writing this script mm. and they come up with drunk, sozzled Merlin. Who's yeah, yep. Well, I mean, I, you know... Who like, promises to give up. Was it them or did some suit tell them they had to have that or had to change it? To I can't that? understand. You've got five writers and they're coming up with ideas. Let's imagine that they're coming up with bad ideas and then they just go through. That's kind of a little bit unbelievable because... yeah. They're not idiots, one would expect. Let's imagine that they come up with really fantastic ideas, but somehow they don't make it past. Yeah. In, in which case, that still doesn't make sense, because why do you have these writers? Yeah. And then the scripts are then... Well, that's my experience working in games. Is You come up with the goods, and then someone who used to be Barbara Streisand's hairdresser... Yeah. Goes, no, no, no. Well, Daddy owns the company. And <laughs> they do stuff, and you it's and the other the writers who are... Uh, highly trained are I'm looking at him going is this person for real yeah yeah. and you there's nothing that you can do it's, it's very common by yes men while you common. watch while you watch this this troglodyte yep with lots of power mm. who's earning four times what you are yep um turn something good into an unbelievable piece of shit and and there's nothing that you can do. You just I think, look at it. I think it affects and almost you, 90% of all film mm. and 90% of all sort of, you know, budgeted game mm. is heavily affected by that formula. And it's only the 10%, like the Spielbergs, like the Lucases, like this guy, that pretty much, well, this guy's lost it. He's just m- mm. cashing checks at the moment. But those people that, that come up with something have complete creative control and then they just line up to throw money at it mm. right that's the 10 percent mm. the rest of it is is all about that let me yeah. give you another quick quote from um steven denight who's one of the guys who was in this room in this paramount hyper hot room of super <laughs> ideas yeah. um what, what do they say like if you get a hundred monkeys in a room and 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 as long as infinity is involved, they'll <laughs> they'll write the creative works of Shakespeare. Yes, yeah. but well, these guys don't have infinity. <laughs> yes, there's an equal chance they'll write shit as well. Um, so they're talking about some stuff. Uh, I think it remains to be seen. I think the biggest thing something um, goes down when you're dealing with a franchise that is so global and makes so much money is actually take this is what he thinks is really important is actually taking a moment to really think things out 
because of a lot of the times you go into production, you don't have a finished script or your script is still being worked on. And it's a very difficult way to work. And that's why we're so grateful that we have this room full of five dudes and we're going to sit down and work things out. But it's an interesting, because he says here later down in the quote that in the previous things, Bay was working before the script was finished. He was preparing and organising and getting things and no script. Yeah. And so this is this is the jigsaw puzzle I'm trying to put together is that eventually after all of that, even though they're making tons of money, yeah. they suddenly decide that they need this writer's room to put this together and then... And anyway, and then this is what this happens at the end. Yep. And so. and the irony is the crap idea, you then have to write it. They tell you that's what they want in there or more of in there. Yeah. And then and then as some sort of um, ironic curse, you then have to make that happen. Yeah. Mm. And quite often you feel like if they were a writer, if they were willing to take the credit as a writer for the project, they would do it. But yeah. they know that they can't do that. Yeah. Because you can't be a producer or the money or executive producer and writer. You know what I mean? Like it's frowned mm. upon. You gotta you have to have this separation of mm. writers have to be separate from these other people. And that's quite often they get someone in that literally just puts the words that they say on the page mm. so that mm. they can they have a write, so that they can have a writing credit that's mm. not them. Mm. Um, what was it? Seven writers wrote um, um, Gladiator. Mm. They went through seven writers mm. to write Gladiator. And often it's just they honestly, in their head, in their head, they think they're good and their ideas are good and that they are bestowing upon you saying that's going to work. Mm. And they're sort of, it's almost like, here, little writer, mm. I'll give you a bit of my genius. Go make it so. And. You kind of wander off, swearing in every language that you can think of. Yeah. Afterwards, and kind of hmm, okay. Well, I've got to pay the rent. And it makes you wonder that the list of product placement and and um, investment uh, that goes in, and therefore have to get some kind of product placement. What did we What did we think about the film's product placement? Was it in your face? It was. There's a lot of it. The biggest product placement that a lot of people don't realise in these films is the US military. Yeah. He gets front and centre access to the US military. They, they're they real soldiers. They are real people from the military that are gabbling away on micro, on um, radios in the mm-hmm. background and, and, you know, kicking doors in and things like that. He tends to... They shot in front of 10 Downing Street. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a recreation or a backstage uh, mm-hmm. soundstage or something. They actually... He gets this unprecedented access because he sells it as product placement mm. and gets away with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So it wasn't too bad in this film? Or if we take Transformers well, doesn't he, out? Well, doesn't he, isn't there a beer one in there? I think there, I remember a whole fridge of Budweiser bottles yeah, being right. emptied yeah. At, yeah. My, at me in 3D stereo. As, um, Caterpillar, and, yep. uh, Mercedes, Lamborghini... I think Ford, yep. um, Citroen. Yep. Although I don't know if I'd call that a positive product placement. Um, mm. That were the vehicle ones that I I noted. Mm. Um, yeah, there was the beer. I think there was also a lolly 
one, wasn't there? Or Pringles or something. There was some food product. Mm. Well, that's yeah, pretty terrible. Just I assure you're not confusing what you were eating while you were watching the movie. <laughs> just to, um, before we leave the, the, the character thing, right? Because I think that goes a long way to what this, mm. why this film is, what it is to people with a bit of taste, right? Um, that guy, the, the military guy, played by Josh Dumel, right? The guy that's married to Fergie from the, yeah, from the Black Eyed Peas. Um, he's been in every Transformers film, or at least maybe not the first one, but he was in the second, third, fourth. He's been in every other one. What's his name in the film? No, no idea. He's been in every single one of them. No idea. He's on first name basis with, with Optimus. <clears throat> no? No idea. Lennox. No, doesn't ring, doesn't, see no, how no. it doesn't even ring a bell. No, right. No. And this is a major character that actually pushes the plot forward. He's the guy that calls in the jets. He's the guy mm. that that got them on the back of the transport and dumped Optimus out the back of a plane with a parachute. And no, doesn't ring a no. bell. Just reading through the list here, I do remember that another character. Well, I didn't remember when you asked me, <laughs> but the other one that I should remember is Lancelot. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Fucking cheesy Lancelot. Well, what about the black guy that was the business partner of Cade Yeager, the guy who comes <laughs> screaming across the park? Now, remember when they got to Stonehenge? I need you guys to confirm this for me. They got to Stonehenge, right? And obviously Anthony Hopkins is doing some shit over there with his cane and he, on his own mm. when he went off the reservation. But they, these kids come screaming across the paddock, the little girl and mm. the black guy with the glasses, mm. and running with them is Optimus and all the other Transformers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about a shot that had bad visual equality. No, well, there was terrible. There, there, there was, was a lot of was, foot slide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot the of foot slide. But I keeping pace with the Transformers. The black guy oh. is All of them running out. at high speed. <laughs> He's yelling out to Cade, who's standing with the military there. He's saying, I brought, I brought Optimus like you told me to and... None of that happened. Like, there was no phone call. There was no radio. Didn't you say I found Optimus? But the previous shot... I didn't even Kate know... was with Optimus. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where, where did they come from? See, like that, I said, nothing makes any that. sense. Yeah, like and there's some kind of airport or something just but, up the road but from like Stonehenge. Like, why were they... How did they get there? Where, how were they even in the vicinity? Like, wasn't he back in the United even States? Even more surprising... Why, within a few minutes of getting there, are there suddenly Abraham's tanks around Stonehenge? How yeah. did the tanks get there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Iraq. Within five minutes. <laughs> it felt to me, and I think even in the notes, you, you, the trivia notes, it says something about the they had a lot of trouble, um, and they were they shot a lot of material that never made it into the film. Thank now God. it's a two-hour, forty-five-minute film. <laughs> yeah. That would indicate that they had to reshoot a lot of material to make what they already had make sense. Mm, yeah. And they threw away shit. Now I, I got a feeling entire sequences were were binned, and it made no sense to me. I couldn't work out why this guy was running. And the the submarine, if you know your geography, you know where the Thames River comes out into the into the the uh, the English Channel. And you know where the cliffs of Dover are? Mm-hmm. They're not in close proximity to one mm-hmm. another. Right? Remember history and geography. They, there was a shot where the submarine was literally coming out from the cliffs of Dover, having the previous shot been in the River Thames. Yeah. If you look on a map, I think the, the, cliffs, of, are the cliffs of Dover are further south. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're across from Calais, right? Yeah. So 
where we've got the Cliffs of Dover on the right, right of screen, uh, submarines coming out from the Cliffs of Dover, out into the channel, they would have had to come out, go down south, do a UE, and then come back up the coast and then start to head out away from the cliffs in order to make that shot work. Yes, nothing made any sense and no, no. Michael Bay doesn't care. No, I don't care. I mean, you've got, look, if I want to, you know. We, we're going around in circles here, guys. If, if <laughs> I want to be picky, yes. picky yeah, yeah. historically. We don't need to prove this anymore. <laughs> There's right. people in plate armour in the dark ages. Yep. Yes. It'd be closer historically to have jet planes flying over the Civil War. Mm. <laughs> oh, look, I don't want to get too much off track, but i just got to take one slight side tangent. In um, Pearl Harbor movie, yes, whatever that was, that called Pearl Harbor. I suppose it was. Yeah, yeah, there was Pearl one. Harbor. Yeah. yeah, Michael Bay has the Japanese shooting up the hospital because That's the right. hero chicks are in the hospital. Uh-huh. Doesn't fucking care that the Japanese blew the shit out of everything except the hospital. They didn't attack the fucking hospital, and I, I don't know. I find that yeah. slightly insulting. disturbing and insulting. It's when, a little bit insulting, you know. At least they didn't attack the damn hospital, but Michael Bay, yeah, let's have him shoot the shit out of the hospital because one of our hero chicks is in the hospital. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Um, actually, there was a bit of c- controversy in England over Transformers 5 while they were making it mm. because, you know, the World War II scene when Bumblebee's G.I. Joe. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Um, that was filmed, um, the building in the background, that's got the big Nazi oh, flags on it. Something that was there. Churchill House. <laughs> yeah. Was it really? And uh, there was a huge stink <laughs> about how inappropriate and... To have big nut swastikas um, draped down over Churchill House, (laughs) and there were a lot of there was a lot of people petitioning that, like, no, piss that shit off. The the equivalent would be having ISIS flags draped all uh, all over (laughs) Ronnie Reagan's (laughs) Miami Beach House or something. Um, Yeah, no, that's not right. Um, All right, guys. Mm. Uh, The last thing we'll 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 talk about before we give us a a final grading on this thing, although I think I know where we're going with it. IMAX. This thing was shot. First film ever shot in 3D IMAX um, with two IMAX um, Ari Alexa IMAX 3D cameras. Um, What did we think of the presentation of the 3D? We got to watch it in 3D. Did you like uh, that side of things? Yeah, 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 for sure. A couple of times there was some little bits of fluff or dust. Yeah, I found it amazing. And it mm. started me. Like, I yeah. swear it was like right in front of my face. Lots of gratuitous shots that were designed to force 3D. Things yeah. coming yeah. at you and swords yep. going our way. I think it was spoiled. I think the 3D was spoiled slightly by the fact that he didn't plan anything when it came to, like when you look at Avatar, um, people getting nauseous and throwing up and all that shit was a thing. And Cameron worked out that there's, there's a... Um, a convergence point and mm. you can't keep shifting the convergence point around because it makes people sick all the time and you can't have the focus object here and then and, and following mm-hmm. shot there and then over here well Michael Bay threw all that shit out the window and I'm surprised more people I think it's only because the technology is a little bit better um, so it was sport a little bit with that the sad thing is that I don't think we'll ever see another IMAX 3D film ever again I just think, come? I've followed 3D for a long time and, and it technology goes this way. It's very similar to three, uh, surround sound. When surround sound first came out, it was put together by the Japanese and 
the Germans. Mm-hmm. And they, when you put the technology of the Japanese, a DSP sound field chip, the, the, techno, the processing, mm-hmm. and then the um, audio know-how of the Germans, right? You put those together and you come up with digital sound field processing. And what they did is they went into auditoriums, they went into churches, they went into all of these spaces and they recorded the sound characteristics of that space and they stuck it on a chip. And then when people made movies, they made those movies in accordance with that technology so mm-hmm. that the the delay and how things worked with the different channels was all coming from the right place at the right time in relation to the film. But in order for it to work, you had to have a an amp to deconstruct and send to the speakers mm-hmm. this thing. It was brilliant. The, you, you, when you saw Terminator 2 uh, on this thing, it blew my I went out and spent five grand on a fucking kit just from watching <laughs> Terminator 2 in this in this hi-fi shop, right? Um, the problem is, is that every man and his dog hears it, but then they balk at the price. So they start releasing pseudo versions of it. Cheap fucking yard, backyard versions of it. And that's what happened with 3D. We started to see passive 3D. We started to see 3D on TVs that were not meant, you know, they just they mm. don't have the megahertz, they don't have the refresh rate, they don't mm. have the contrast, the colour quality, all that sort of stuff. And so every managed dog goes out, there was a big rush to get 3D after Avatar. Mm. They all buy 3D tellies, they buy 3D glasses and all this shit, but it's all the cheap stuff. And the problem is that um, it's not the same experience. It's not this enveloping, visceral fucking experience. The other thing happening from behind the scenes was that technology was allowing us to transfer 2D film to 3D. And we got really good at that. When we first started, we were shit at it. But we became really good at converting, stereoscopically converting film from 3D to 2D. And so there was less emphasis for you to go expensively go out with two cameras and shoot stereoscopically in the field you would just shoot it 2D, high res, bring it back, and it was all done in post. Um, and that's where the industry has gone now. So if you see 3D films from now on, um, there's a site you can check out w- which lists all of the 3D shot films versus the fake ones. And the list used to be this big for fake and that big for, re- for, for, for shot with 3D. And then over about a five or six year period, they, this number came down and the other one went up. And so now anything you see, if it's not a 3D film like a Pixar film or a Disney film, which is very easy to just re-render a second camera, mm. um, if it's a real live action one, you'll get one or two films a year. Mm-hmm. used to be dozens. So unfortunately, we're, never, we're not going to see 3D films. Um, we'll have virtual before we have 3D back in town and we definitely won't see a, an IMAX film again. That yeah. alone is enough for this to be in your collection because this is a 3D IMAX stereoscopically shot film. Long-winded but true. You're trying to justify that you're giving rating it a to buy <laughs> because you bought it. Uh, I have. I, I might burn it. <laughs> you got, sometimes you got to buy all, it to burn it. Let's all witness the CD burning. <laughs> um, I that shot there. Actually, I wanted to quickly just bring focus to this. This is that's one of the shots that I was talking about that I'm convinced that this, there's other shots like this in the film that serve no purpose whatsoever, that have nothing to do with the, um, um, nothing to do with the narrative, 
this whole bad guys in a bubble thing and this fucking thing running around the edge of it and he even stops I think he even breaks the breaks the wall and talks to the camera at yeah. some point there's some mm. weird moment there and that whole thing was to me it just mm. reeked of somebody making money off the visual effects because mm. that's not cheap getting that what you see there is not cheap that is a very expensive shot to to create you got real life photographic digital interactivity some some kind of image warping thing frozen reflections well this is not even frozen it's sort of moving slow mo mm. yeah it's pretty expensive anyway all right gentlemen i don't, i feel that we can't talk about this anymore that we we shouldn't talk about this anymore it's no. really i mean there's there's some things that we could cover but i think mm. What we should have had here today is a person who actually loved the film. How do you find one of those? Uh, No, no, no. They must be out there. There's there's the the bloody... Where are they? One theory that I'll... Would you let one of them into your house? Well, one theory I'll put forward is, what do you think about this? Is there such a thing as franchise buy-in where you've invested in a franchise and even though it starts to tank it a little bit, you've already made the investment. So you continue to invest there is the the fanboy fan person extremes where they're hypercritical mm. or they're over forgiving mm. um, I think the transformer fanatics will just be um, creaming their pants over the fact there's so many transformers yeah that get look you know I'm seeing millions of transformers doing crazy shit yeah I'm happy yeah yeah exactly well, I might. I, only, I put that theory forward because I might fall into that category where I invest in a franchise. I, I buy the movies, right, and I, I I get on board. And when I buy movies, I watch them a few times. So I'll invest time and effort and money. You pay for Michael Bay's cocaine. I will tend to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I will tend to um, continue to invest, even though the public has abandoned them and the critics are all over it. Um, Star Wars is another example. You know, I went and bought. I went to the cinema and was disappointed with um, Last Jedi, but I still bought the DVD. Sometimes you're a bit hopeful that things are going to change and you're going to get that return to that initial high that you got the very first time. Is and you also might be, you know, a bit um, stuck because you've you know you're in for a penny, yeah. in for a pound. Yeah. So I might as well see this through. Yeah, yeah. it's also. Completionist, you completionist want the full set. thing? Yeah, the full no, set thing. I, I, my, my gauge is always rewatchability. I never buy mm. a film on DVD if I've already seen it, unless it's rewatchable. Mm. Okay. That's my main thing. If I see yeah. a film, I say it's was a beautiful spectacle, uh, mm. visually stunning, but I don't ever want to see it again. Then why would I buy the DVD? Yeah, I sometimes buy DVDs of films I've never seen before. Because they're there for $5 or $6. I thought, ah, finally I can see this film and it turns out to be a turd. So I have, you know, DVDs of films that I've seen once and never want to watch them again. But the rewatchability is my criteria to decide whether Mm. this is a Mm. film that I enjoy. Because I love watching films over and over again. If I like them, I'll watch them once a year. Yeah. Mm -mm. I do have some films. I mean, I do have quite a a sizable amount of films in my collection that are part of a collection. Yeah, where the one of the higher priorities is to have the collection, but I still would want to watch them again. I wouldn't want to collect something that I didn't want to watch. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, I I would 
there are reasons to watch this again in five years, right? If only to remind myself of two $217 million film, 3D, IMAX, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. A shortened um, version, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need to do is re No, it's when, it. when your kids get older, you have to say, ah, oh, yeah, Mia, look, I gotta, you got to see this film. you got to see what a truly <laughs> yeah. bad film is. That's your excuse. Yep. That's for me an excuse to rewatch a lot of the films. Yeah. I want to watch it, but ah, oh, the kids are already asleep. Let's try next week. Let's yep. see. Watch it early on Saturday with an, them. An interesting mm. editing experience, I think, would be to just cut out every second shot, all the odd shots, and see what, see what, and just chop them out. Yeah, and just see what, see if, if anybody notices. <laughs> yeah, does it make any difference at all? I think that's a great experiment. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, Absolutely. that's a great idea. Uh, one experiment I really want to do um, as as a group is take the first three Star Wars movies and make one movie out of it. A new movie or just the a long prequels. movie? Yeah, I want to take the prequels oh, okay. and turn it into one movie. Oh, that'd be interesting. As well. I'd love to see how we could. With, with all of our uh, mm. knowledge and background and understanding and everything and, and try to craft together a movie and see if we can come up with something. All right, how are we rating this then? Um, I, I, I bought it, but if I didn't buy it, I would only borrow this um, to see what it's all about. Would, okay. I wouldn't set fire to it. It just doesn't seem right to set fire to it. Okay. I disagree. So so Tom <laughs> wants to burn it. It has no need for it to exist. <laughs> I mean, look, as I said, as a Michael Bay film, as a visual spectacle, but bloody five? Yeah, yeah. You know, mm, yeah, yeah, choose one of the Transformers, put that in the let's keep it for, yeah. for the posterity. Put that in the time and capsule. And throw all the other ones, just throw them away. Yeah, you might be onto something there. Mm. Yep. Yep. Um, I'd watch it as long as I didn't have to pay for it. Uh-huh. Go to a friend's house, such as I did. Yep. So borrow it. Well, is that called borrow? Is I that, think so. Yeah. That's yeah. the cheap borrowing. <laughs> it's it's um, you borrow without touching. You yeah, borrow yeah. without touching. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm burn it. You're going to burn it as well. And I may even burn your copy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the harshest we've ever had. It's very harsh. That's, um, yeah. Going to go on a crusade to eradicate it. I don't want it and I don't want anyone to want it. Go back in time and prevent it from ever happening. All right, gentlemen. Um, any ideas on what we might have a look at uh, coming up? Or d- d- Give me a flavour. What do you think we should have a look at in uh, in the next couple of shows? So I thought now that we've seen this. what we haven't done in a while mm-hmm. is actually watch a really good film. But as today demonstrates, if we're all on the same page, we're going around in circles. And there's not a lot to talk about when we are. We need films that are a bit polarizing. So, mm. yeah, we've we've got films on the list. There are not many of them are good ones. A lot of them are old ones. Um, we have discussed Brotherhood of the Wolf is one we've discussed. Oh, I know the one we're discussing the other day, Barbarella. Ah, Barbarella. Mm. Barbarella. It's interesting. Barbarella watched. By f- by males during in the have era you, of Me Too. Have you seen it? <laughs> have you seen it since? I've never seen. Uh, it. I've never seen it. I've only seen parts of it. There we go. Yeah. I I've seen it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's uh, it's an interesting film. It's more like a stage play on on screen. No spoilers then. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind watching, because I haven't watched one in a very long time, A one of those Italian uh, sword and sandal 
epics. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Hercules. Yeah, yeah Hercules or yeah. something like that. Yeah. You know, one of those. I got one a of, bunch of them in the list. One of my all-time favourite films is the um, Hercules Returns, um, the Australian film. Yes. Yeah. I love that film where three people buy an old cinema and they it's del- falling apart and whatever and they do it back up and on their opening night they invite a whole bunch of people and one of the people they invite is the guy that owns the megaplex chain of cinemas that doesn't want them to succeed and somehow they swap the film for one that's in Italian and it has no no English. So what they decide to do is overdub the film live from up in the booth with microphones and coconuts and, oh, okay. and it's <laughs> fucking hilarious. It's got, um, you know, the, the, the – Effie, Effie uh, what's from Acropolis now? now. Gina, oh, no, yeah. I forget. Yeah. I forget her name. But um, and Bruce Spencer, yeah, Bruce Spencer, Bruce Spencer. So there's three quite funny people, actors, and they revoice over. And Hercules is very camp, and he's he rides up and he <laughs> watch my nipples because <laughs> these are all muscle guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that sa- uh, sandals and and sand and sandals mm. genre is is very funny. Um, we should do one of those voiceovers. All right, gentlemen, uh, we'll have a think about it and uh, we'll probably come back with um, something something not in this vein in for the next show. Sounds good. All right. <clears throat> Anything uh, exciting to announce? Uh, catch us on YouTube. Yep. Leave some comments. Catch us on Twitter. Catch us on Facebook. Voyage of the Geek, Voyage of the Geek, Voyage of the Geek. Yep. There you go. Beautiful. Okay, until next time, it's bye for me. Uru. Auf Wiedersehen. Ciao.